guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Melissa and you're listening to Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast and we are back in action, baby. I am so bummed out that I had to take such a long and unexpected break from producing podcast episodes, but I did. And that's the reality of being an independent podcaster who has a real full-time job outside of podcasting. I'll admit I've been very spoiled over the past year during the pandemic when my entire life went from three hours of commuting on the freeway a day to sit in a corporate office surrounded by 600 other employees to never getting in a car again and sitting alone in complete silence in my house with an abundance of extra time to work on this podcast. It's been an absolute privilege having the ability to invest so much extra time into myself and into Mimosa Sisterhood, but life is picking back up and there are times when I am going to very sadly have to put this podcast on hold in order to invest my energy and my time into the job that pays all of my bills. (laughs) And that is not podcasting, my friends. However... I'm praying to God one day it will be, and if it were up to me, I would just be working on this podcast every single day of my life from morning until night, and that would be the job. That would be the life. That would be the thing that all of my energy and my time went into. That's the dream. That's the goal, but it's a work in progress, and therefore, I very sadly had to take an unexpected pause, but I am so happy to be back, to be on the mic, to have my headphones on. And to finally get this long-awaited overdue episode out for you this week. So, with that said, today we've got a women's history episode for you. And it's been killing me that it's taken me so long to get this out into the public because this is one of my favorite episodes. I have laughed hysterically in my editing process re-listening to this episode It is hilarious. At least I think it is. (laughs) And it wouldn't be nearly as funny if I didn't have my wonderful guest host on the mic with me, Jordan Redwine. She's the co-host of the podcast, A Novel Adaptation. We've seen her before. You've heard her before. She was one of the very first people to guest host on this podcast. And she's back. And let me just say, I'm never letting her leave again. I would love to have Jordan on this podcast as a reoccurring guest. She's absolutely hilarious and I just love her energy. I love our chemistry and that's why this episode was so damn good. We talk about two women from completely polar opposite ends of the spectrum of life. We have as bougie as bougie gets to as gnarly and as hardcore 
as tragedy and trauma gets. I don't want you guys to have to wait any longer to hear this very overdue podcast episode, but I do want to just squeeze in a couple quick reminders before we dive into it. We have our podcast merch up on the shop, available for your purchasing pleasure now. We've got dad hats, pillows, coasters, stickers, all of the fun things, and all of it is so freaking cute. Thank you so much to everybody out there who has already made a purchase in the pod shop. I see you. I love you. And I cannot wait to see you rep my merchandise. Please don't forget to post pictures of yourself wearing my merch. And I would love to reshare that on social media so we can just show the rest of the world what they're missing out on. Lastly, as always, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast player you love the most. And if you haven't yet, you know the drill please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. It is the best way to help our podcast grow and increase our visibility and expand our community and just make the sisterhood flourish. So I would love you forever and always. And that's it for me. So with that said, grab your glass of wine, some bubbly, a hard shot of liquor, and let's get this fucking party show rocking. Jordan, hello, and welcome back to the pod. Hi, Melissa. How you doing? I am amazing. It has been a whole year since I've last seen your face or talked to you. And it's that been is too far long. too long. Yes, it's 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 uh, criminal, really. <laughs> I think you were one of my first guests when I started taking guests. Mm-hmm. Well, when I first saw that you were like, "Hey, I'm opening up to guests," I go, "Yes, yes, I have to be on this. Yes, I love this podcast." <laughs> Be my friend. If you're my invisible friend in like, you know, in in my car, then you could be my friend in Zoom, right? Yes. And IRL also. Now I have all these friends from near and far that have been podcast guests and it's so cool. I'm like, I'm in real life building a sisterhood and that was never the plan, but it's happening and we are here for it. It's uh, happy miracles. Small, fun, happy miracles. Yes. I'm so excited about it. So for everybody listening, Jordan was on the show at least, I don't know, maybe even like February of last year, some sometime, March, uh, April, something it like was, that. It was, at, it was at the beginning of the pandemic because when we were talking about ladies we were highlighting in real life at the time, um, Trump and Whitmer, my, my, my uh, yes, governor, Gretchen Whitmer, yes. were, were like in a uh, Twitter spat. So I was like... <laughs> Holding up Gretchen Whitmer to the... Okay, about her, though, she almost got kidnapped, yep. right? Yep. Uh, we, I was sitting in this <laughs> office right here watching that going, uh... And uh, who knew that it was going to be a precursor or a practice for January 6th, but, you know, it, <laughs> it literally was. Uh-huh. Insane. I uh, mean, the not. things that have unfolded since we've last spoke... <laughs> Oh, one would say that was a reality television show that just went down for a full year. It's not even real life, but it's real life, and that's the most horrifying part about it. Do you think the United States has jumped the shark as far as scripts go? Like, we're in the final season that just went, like, right? creators ran out of shit to do, and this is what we came- they came up with, so. Didn't you guys also have, like, one of your dams broke or something like that happened, right? <laughs> 
That was actually um, not where I live currently, but it was in my home area. Yes. And so my grandfather lives around there. And they said, yeah, it's like south. It's like west of US 10 and south of uh, Wackerly. And I'm looking at a map going, where the fuck is my grandfather's house? Like, because it's right around there. Because he would have had to evacuate and he wasn't, he wasn't like in the best of health. And thankfully, he didn't have to evacuate. But my friends, di- uh, a lot of my friends' parents' houses flooded. My no. One of my friends' House flooded. Yep. So that was a thing. Uh, what was what was the other thing that happened recently? Uh, oh, another great. Uh, since I'm in the Metro Detroit area now, and all of our highways, uh, you can't. For fun fact, for people not in Michigan or Metro Detroit, um, all you can't get anywhere unless you're on a highway. There's all these different highways because we're the Motor City. Ha ha ha. We you have to drive everywhere. It's a fun joke, but. Um, all of our highways are also like ditches. So when it rains a lot, guess what? They act like ditches. And we had, two weeks ago, ten straight days of rain. People had to abandon their cars on the highway because, like, it was it was flooded completely. So, wow. Michigan, I love you, but get your shit together, man. Like... <laughs> You know what? I mean, we all have our things. California is on the brink of, like, probably four months of fires. So it's just, it's, it's, I mean, again, is the world ending? Like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But we have wine, so that's okay. (laughs) We have wine, we have podcasts, we have our entertainment. Whatever gets us through it, that's all that matters. Seriously. And on that note, how are things with your podcast? Oh, they're wonderful. Thank you for asking. We uh, we just published our season finale, uh, which was The Haunting of Hill House, because we always end our um, our seasons on a scary book or scary adaptation. So we did The Haunting of Hill House, the TV show. Uh, and um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. And uh, we'll remind everybody again the gist of the pod. Yeah. So our podcast is a novel adaptation and we read a book. And then we watch their adaptation, be it a movie or TV show. And our original idea was we were just going to shit on adaptations. Like, because we had so much to say about bad adaptations. Then we would actually watch good adaptations when, oh, shitting on it doesn't work. So let's, like, talk about it in a very productive way. Like, what makes a good adaptation? And why was that good or why was that bad? And it's just been such a great time. So Cool. Mm -hmm. I've been really picking up my book reading during the pandemic, and I'm loving it. Yeah, what's, I'm loving what's something it. good you've read recently? Okay, I read this book that I am obsessed with. Tell me more. It's called The Silent Patient. <gasps> Have you like heard of it? Like the movie? Because there it a is movie? a movie. Is there, there a movie? Is, there is a movie called The Silent Patient, and I do believe it was adapted from a book. So hold on. All right. If that's the case, I'm coming on your podcast, and we're talking about The Silent Patient. Okay. It is the best book I've ever read. Wow. Glowing, glowing recommendation. I love that. But for everybody out there listening, if you're a book reader, highly recommend this. It's a psychological thriller, and it's about this artist, this woman who's an artist. And, like, she has this, like, fashion photographer boyfriend, or maybe he's her husband. But all's well in, like, you know, life until one day she shoots and kills him. And then she never speaks again. And, like, she gets arrested, obviously, but then they claim, like, insanity or something like that. So she goes to this mental institution and she never says a word. And, like, no one knows why she did it or what happened or anything. And then this 
like therapist doctor comes into the hospital to like work with her to like get to the bottom of it and it's like the whole story is about their dynamic and then shit just gets wild yes (laughs) i love wild shit it's so good it's like one of those it's literally one of those books where the very last page you get shot this information that you never ever thought in all of life's eternity would have happened and then it just ends and you're just jaw dropped and you're like wait what no wait what I love those books. Yeah. But I have to apologize, Melissa. I looked into it a little bit more deeply, um, and I was thinking of the English patient, not the silent patient. The silent patient is tur- being turned into a movie. It's just in development right now. It has well, not come out. Well, better so. hurry the F up. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a podcast to yes. record. So, my uh, my bad. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. it's a classic. Well, I'm surprised you've never heard of it. Well, yeah, because it's not the right movie, dumb nuts. Okay, well, it, we'll figure out when it's coming out. I feel like it's coming out soon. But anyway, we'll figure it out. Um, but yes, guys, that that's the announcement that I will be coming on the podcast and um, doing a fun book adaptation. So, when that happens, we'll, we'll let you all know and you can listen to it on Another pot on Jordan's podcast. So crossover we'll awesome. party. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. What are we drinking? Okay. So uh, my selection is a from from Michigan. It is from Forty Five North Vineyard and Winery, uh, the Pinot Gris, uh, twenty seventeen year. Uh, that was a. I know it was a shitty year for some people, but it was also the year I got married. That's oh, a coincidence. Nice. Yeah, that's a coincidence. It was just there when we bought it, but um. No, it's uh, 45 North is one of my favorite wineries. You can find it up in the Leelanau Peninsula. I think we got it. My husband and I went up to Traverse City uh, for Valentine's Day because, you know, hotels were desperate in February. They're like, come visit us. And we went up there and we did some snowshoeing on that winery property. So fun. It was. And then we. Those are those short little flat little Mm -hmm. boot, not boots, but like little flat planks almost, right? That's exactly it. I believe a. I don't know. Did you ever have American Girl dolls or like? Of course, of course. Okay. So anytime I think of uh, snowshoe, like the first time I'd ever been introduced uh, to snowshoeing was the fact that Kirsten Larson <laughs> snowshoed. So I cannot look at snowshoes without going, "Oh yeah, the American Girl doll, Kirsten did it." And so that was my. That really ages us, doesn't it? <laughs> I also love that you know her last name. Like, I, I don't know their last names, but I'm very impressed. All of the OGs, I know their <laughs> last names. Um, oh, my God. So, yeah, and then we had some wine and, like, took home a whole case of wine uh, from that. But that's, As that's one should. I, of course. So it's really, really good winery. So if you're in Michigan or visit Michigan, check out those wineries. And 45 North is my fave. So Love it. Mm-hmm. What are you Amazing. drinking, Amazing. Well, turns out I'm also drinking a Pinot Gris. Oh, hey. Did I say it? Gris? 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 I mean, if we could be pretentious and be like, Gris. <laughs> but uh, we white bitches, so I don't like... Pinot Gris. Yeah, that one. Okay, so this is a Scott Kelly 2020 Pinot Gris, Oregon. He is fly fishing on the front. And this is one of the bottles I got from nakedwines.com which is like the website that does the independent winemakers and it's very good it's very very good good job scott kelly you the man usually i go for snazzier labels but i'm not gonna hate on scott kelly he is a fly fisherman and i wouldn't expect anything more than this 
It's simple <laughs> and like uh, elegant, simply elegant. That's what yeah. I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just love, I love the, the little guys. So we're both drinking Pinot Gris today. That's so fun. We are. I had to look at my wine label because it looked like a desert. Like when that's weird because I live in Michigan and there are no deserts. No, I think it's a dune and the whole blue on the label is a lake because I don't know if anyone has seen a map of the United States, but Michigan is surrounded by lakes. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Beautiful, gorgeous art. Mm, Masterpiece. The label <laughs> and the wine. So great. All right. I think we should get into it. And I was thinking since I already blew my cover <laughs> do you want to tell that story first <laughs> to our listeners because that was great melissa tell, tell them how you ruined the surprise for me so i was like scrambling last minute to get my life together because i ended work the exact minute i was supposed to press record on the podcast which <laughs> never works out as i intend it will especially not on a monday of all nope. days mm-hmm. <laughs> But I was, like, running wild through the house, getting my wine together and trying to sort out my AC because it's a hot armpit in this house. And my boyfriend just got home, and I was telling him about how he needs to be ready for the Amazon Fresh delivery to get here and this and that and all these things. And then I was like, you want to hear who I'm doing tonight? Screams like, it. Sure. Screams it through the house. <laughs> I, I screamed it at the top of my lungs without knowing that Jordan had already hopped onto the recording and that my microphone is just just here waiting for me to scream my woman from across the house at the top of my lungs, which that's just proof that I literally scream all the time. I mean, my boyfriend was one foot in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here because I had it. I was like waiting for her to accept me on Zoom, and I'm going, "Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I can hear you." <laughs> I'm just diddling around the house, like without a care or knowledge of anything in the world. And so, with that said, I screamed at the top of my lungs that I am covering Christina, King of Sweden. <laughs> I don't know who she is, but I'm excited to learn about her. So she is such a cool person. I found her in one of my books, and uh, she's got a, a really awesome story. So she's cool because she was, well, first of all, her name's Christina, and she went by King of Sweden. So let's just start there. Absolute her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she was the king queen of Sweden during the early 1600s, and she for the time period, was without a doubt a very progressive rebel due to her views on religion, gender, and sexuality. And she's also considered, which is what, like, literally, I would, wouldn't use this terminology because it sounds weird, but they call her the most learned queen in history, which I think means that she's, like, the most educated. But sure. Not Take even it. so much that she's the most educated. She was, like, the one person that was obsessed with just forever learning. Like, she couldn't get enough knowledge in her brain, which I, I think really is the biggest reason why she was so progressive in so many of these different areas. Because she was constantly reading, learning, educating, and, like, expanding her mindset and perspective so much further than not only any woman during the time period, but, like, any person. And so she ended up kind of being this radical, progressive person, which was just not normal at all. 
And yeah, so, 1600s, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine. No. So I'll tell you her story. So Christina was born in the royal castle of Trey Croner on December 18th, 1626. Her parents were the Swedish king Gustavus Adolphus, and her, moth- her mother was Maria Eleonora. And before she was born, her parents suffered numerous tragedies with their newborn children. They had had two daughters and a son, all stillborn. Then Maria gave birth to her fourth and only surviving child, Christina, and they were really excited when the baby was born because they were under the impression they had a boy. Also, it lived. (laughs) Due to the baby's, or due to the fact that they considered the baby to be hairy. And that the baby screams with a strong, hoarse voice. Uh, I'm sorry. Can we rewind to the hairy part? <laughs> what? What? No what, idea. What, is, what, what makes a baby hairy? Maybe like a ton of just head hair? Well, so did I, but that doesn't mean I'm a man. Like, I don't... I have no clue. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll never know. So it's actually really awesome because Christina had a bunch of not only written memoirs that were still around so that we know like things that really happened. She also wrote an autobiography later in her life, but in her, I think in her autobiography, she even talked about this, about the fact that her family thought she was a boy when she was born. And she had said that like all of the women were so embarrassed when they figured out the baby was actually a girl and that her dad was ecstatic about the fact that she was a girl, which is shocking, okay. but that he was quoted to say, she'll be a clever one. She's already made a fool of us all. Oh, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I love her dad. That's right. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And that's, it's true. Her dad actually ended up loving her. And again, really surprising for the time period and for a king to be excited that his probably one child he'll ever have considering the you know their what they've already gone through is a girl typically the royals wanted boys they wanted the kings and the lineage to keep going and going and going patriarchy bullshit yeah yeah but christina was a girl and her dad ended up just completely loving and adoring her it turned out that christina was next in line for the throne Like, the king had, like, a bunch of different siblings and half-siblings, but they all had some little nuance that didn't allow him to be next in line. So Christina was it. But Sweden hadn't actually had a queen since the 14th century. And technically, queens were not allowed. So they were like, well, she'll just be king then. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, you know? Rather than, like, try to find a way to oust her, they're like, you know what? King's... King works too. Yeah. So she was pretty much, you know, once her father passed, she would end up being king of Sweden. And so her father, King Gustav, I think he went by King Gustav, but his name was Gustavus. So he was like a really big deal. And he played a huge role in the Thirty Years' War, which was basically like the War of Religions. And so he was just like probably raping and pillaging as they did and won like numerous battles but he was eventually killed in 1632 when christina was only six years old but before he even left for the war he told his chancellor that if he were to die in war his daughter would 
absolutely without a doubt have the right to inherit the throne. Like, don't fuck with me. She's taking it over. And he gave strict orders that his daughter should receive an education that would typically only be afforded to boys. Now, let's talk about Christina's mom. Because this was a little wild. So, I want to preface that Christina's mom went through some shit. She lost a lot of babies. She probably experienced quite a bit of trauma. Who knows, like how that is in the 1600s when you have numerous stillborns and there's, like, no medication or who knows. And she doesn't have a memoir that she's written to defend herself, so... No, but not a lot of good good things to say about Christina's mom. So, basically, she pretty much, like, had zero relationship with her daughter at all at any point, at any time, prior to the moment that the dad dies and the daughter becomes king. Before that moment, she would chop deliver. Like, I don't look at you. I don't see you. I don't care about you. But the minute that the dad died and the daughter would end up inheriting the throne, like, she didn't become king that moment because she was six. But, like, right. they basically wait till she's an adult and she, like, becomes king later. But she's next in line and now she's the highest ranking and she's royalty. So in that moment, the mom became immediate, like, mother of the year. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed sure she with did. you. Yeah. You know, you're everything in my life. You're my daughter. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. And obviously that was annoying. In addition, there are multiple reports that the mother may have been clinically insane. They use terminology like volatile temper, things like that. But there is one thing that's a little wild. <laughs> so, I was going to say because like, okay, I'm sorry. Can I just for yes, a second? Yes, I hate, yes, I hate these old stories of mm-hmm. like, you know, women and the like at any point in history before, I don't know, 19... 19- 90 where there was like she just was had hysteria right she's just insane she's gone mad oh my god like (laughs) women these days am i right like that played all the way into like the 50s oh no no pass remember don't forget lobotomies gotta control that housewife like no i just yeah yeah so it's the same thing it's that's why i'm saying she was she was they said she was clinically insane and the terminology they use is that she had a hysterical temper. Is that it? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah volatile hysteria. temper. Volatile uh, temper. But however, she something weird did happen. So after her, the king died, she demanded that his corpse be brought home in a coffin, but that they remove his heart and they put the heart in a separate box that she'd keep, like, in her little chest. So we're going the Egyptian route here. Got mm-hmm. it, got it. All right. And then she made a rule that he would not be buried ever until she passed away so they could be buried together. So the king's coffin was kept inside the castle open on display for everybody to see him every day as they walked by. And that she spent the majority of her time alongside his coffin, hugging, patting, being with him, taking zero notice to the fact that his body was rotting. And they didn't have, they were not like embalming the body. So it was just like decaying there. And he laid there for 18 months. See, see, you started, it started romantic <laughs> and then it, and then it did, and then it veered into uh, yes. gross pretty uh-huh. fast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty 
pretty bad. But I also feel like they did this all the time back then. Oh, yeah, you know. I was watching, um, I, like, keep forgetting what it was. Who was the queen that took over Russia? Catherine the Great. Catherine the Great. Yes, we were watching that hilarious Hulu uh, show, yep. and they have, like, the mom that died, and she's, like, up in that chest, like, sitting up yeah, straight and, in, like, and a glass like, box. <laughs> they had your mother. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm. Sh- it's a show, but I feel like this was a common thing that happened during, like, these weird old times. They were, like, wouldn't let people go. Or maybe it was just, like, a royalty thing. Like, they're royalty, and forever, they'll just, their bodies will be here. I mean, if you can afford to have your relatives rot in a case while you watch it, then have your relatives rot in a case. Then go for it. Yeah. So he was supposed to have not been buried until she died, but she didn't die. So 18 months later, they ended up burying him like without her approval because they ended up kicking her out of the castle. So another one of the king's wishes was that if he were to die... His daughter would be cared for by his half-sister, Catherine of Sweden. And so when he did die and that news came to surface, the mom, Maria Eleonora, was pissed. She's like, I'm sorry, excuse me? My husband said what? (laughs) Like, I don't get to take care of my own daughter. Well, maybe if you showed her any attention before he died. Right? Exactly. And so they, like, banished her off to some other castle and, like, made her live alone, probably at, like, the top of the castle. (laughs) Okay, at least she had her own castle. Like, yes. I was going to say, like, like they built her the, her own, like, you know, yeah. paradise, she, right? Oh, yeah. And like, I looked yeah. it up. I Googled it. And I was like, oh, that's a nice-ass castle. Like, it wasn't, you know, some witch's castle. If one was to be exiled somewhere, that wouldn't <laughs> yeah, be a bad place to be exiled. It would horrible. No. <laughs> so, yeah, she took off. And that's basically the end of her. We don't hear about her again. So she probably died there. Um, so yeah, she got banished and then for the next three years, Christina was raised by her aunt Catherine of Sweden and like hung out with the the cousins of that aunt and everything was all fine and dandy, great life. But then she died. And so the Royal Council was like, okay, well now this kid's like a foster kid. No dad, no mom, no siblings, no aunt. Like, what are we going to do? And so they decided that like they wanted to raise her to be super independent They're like we don't want her having to rely on one person her dad died her mom failed her Catherine was great but then she died we need to like not have these like one person shows anymore we need her to be a strong and like mighty person we're gonna give her four moms oh sure <laughs> so they like call in these like four ladies and they like are divided into like two categories i think like the two of them are with her to do like the lady in waiting thing but they were like four women that took care of her and raised her but they had different like responsibilities Hmm. so as a kid she obviously grew up super educated had like every teacher under the sun all the tutors did all the things she was super smart she was obsessed with learning like it almost became a problem like she'd only get three to four hours of sleep a night because she wouldn't put down the books she just needed to soak up all the info couldn't get enough of it she ended up speaking eight different languages during a time period when women were considered intellectually inferior. That's right. So, we dumb women don't know anything. <laughs> she's over here learning eight languages. Okay, by chance, and I, and I don't expect that you actually have this answer, but only because I'm a language nerd. Do you know what eight languages those were? There were lots of languages. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me look. Let me look. 
Okay, okay. I just, I just, I just love languages. It's so cool. It's a fascinating subject, and I'm like, I nerd out about it. Well, Swedish is obviously one of them. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna, while you're looking, I'm gonna play the guessing game. So Swedish, English, okay, Latin. Okay, okay, you said Swedish, uh-huh. English, Latin. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, I'm gonna guess Russian because Russia and Sweden had a lot of spats for like 300, 200 years. No. No. Yeah. Well, no. Sweden is the only one you've gotten yet. Really? Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of the surrounding areas. So, uh, uh, Danish. Yes. Mm, Danish. Okay. Uh, Finnish. Nope. Nope. All right. I give up. So. Beer German. Up. Of course. Dutch. Mm. Danish. French. Italian. Yeah. Arabic and Hebrew. Wow. Arabic was the one that threw me. Holy shit. Yeah. In addition okay. to Swedish. Sure, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the native tongue. So but, many languages. That's so cool. Good for her. So And cool. also, as someone who's learning Arabic, the Arabic is fucking hard. Well, and she's also learning this, like, under the age of 14. I mean, yeah. Well, when, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that in itself should have showed the entire area of Sweden that actually women probably aren't intellectually inferior. You just aren't letting them learn. Right. You're not even giving them the opportunity to, like, Learn anything. I, I don't know. Like, as a person who spent a, a whole year in quarantine, and I'm like, well, why haven't I mastered eight languages yet? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even... Yeah. The amount of things that... But you know she what? Did. They had a lot wow. more time back then. Because... They did. They're, they're, all they could do was, like, play piano and, like, ride horses. <laughs> and, 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 and if piano was boring and horses scare you, then yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. screwed. Uh-huh. So yeah, they just studied. So she had her own theologian tutor who gave her lessons in religion, philosophy, Greek, and Latin. And then the chancellor taught her all about politics since that was like the king way. But he was quoted to say that this 14-year-old girl is not at all like a female. She has bright intelligence. So again. <laughs> there, there's a compliment <laughs> hidden in there somewhere. Right? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so then ni- 1644 comes around, she turns 18, she's declared an adult, and she's allowed to start ruling the Swedish Empire. But the actual, like, coronation of her being, like, sworn in as king or whatever, it doesn't happen because right now Sweden's in a war with Denmark and Norway. So, like, nobody's around to, like, do this whole ceremony and, like, people are out fighting war. And during this war, the Swedes did a surprise attack that forced Denmark and Norway to give up, like, a bunch of their land. So Sweden, like, seized all this shit. They ended up, like, taking over the entire Baltic Sea. Things were great. And she's, like, involved now because she's 18 and, like, she's getting involved in, like, what are the plans with the war? What are we going to do? They have to, like, run things by her, basically. And while- and it's the chancellor that's doing it because he was the king's right-hand man. He's the number one guy. So he's talking to her about all this shit. And he's starting to realize, like, uh-oh. She's too smart. Oh, no. Um, She has very different political views than us because she's been reading and expanding her brain and learning different uh, ideologies and philosophies and religions and all these things that the king required her to have. woman, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, ew, <laughs> this isn't looking good. So he does some shysty ass shit and he basically goes behind her back. 
He knows he can't do it because he'll get caught. So he gets his son and he like sends his son out to some like treaty signing that's happening. And he's basically out there arguing against peace at like a meeting on the Holy Roman Empire. So it's like they're all talking about like, are the religions going to keep going to war? And he's like, yes, we'll forever fight all the religions. It's only the Lutherans that can survive. And she, who's been doing, had her own theology teacher, her own private tutor, who's taught her like a hundred thousand different religions by now. She's very like, oh, I like understand different perspectives. I'm open-minded. I like have learned about all these different cultures and their beliefs and their religions. I don't only think about Lutheran religion. Why would we have war? They're all great people. So she's like really pro-peace and is like, why are we in war? Why are we fighting? So she, like, finds out this asshole sent his son to go, like, argue against this treaty. And she's like, fuck you. Who do you think you are? So she, like, gets her own person and sends him out to go fight that guy. And they end up winning. And with that, the peace of Westphalia is signed, which effectively ended European wars of religion. Wow. So she literally ended, like, the Thirty Years' War. Which, mind you, her father probably would have been really pissed about. <laughs> he what, was, her ending it? Yeah, because he was, like, pro it. Like, he was like, oh. I'm going to kill all the Catholics and all these people because, like, Lutherans are forever. So, and that's how the Chancellor thought. But she had a very liberal, open-minded, progressive thought process on it. It was like, we just want peace. We don't need to be fighting wars for the rest of our lives. Like, let people have their own religions. Like, what do we fucking care, you know? This is what you get for educating your daughter. Right? This is, this is what you get. <laughs> exactly. So she effectively ended the war on religion, which is amazing. So now she's getting older and she's like, fuck, I have to, like, get married and have babies. Like, this is a thing and I'm so, like, over it. And she has no interest. She does not want to get married. She does not want to have children. And does she, yeah. does she do? Does she do the 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 Queen Elizabeth thing? Tell me she does the Queen Elizabeth thing. Well, I love that you say that because <gasps> I'm pretty sure that the reason why she is anti marriage and anti babies is because she read like a do- documentary type book on Queen Elizabeth. The Virgin Queen. Yes, the Virgin Queen. And that inspired her to decide that she didn't want to get married or have babies. And she even got really involved with Catholicism because of this. And again, she had access to this info. Somebody handed her a book on Queen Elizabeth. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know... Uh, she didn't know. She was just reading what was being given to her and soaking it all up and making her own decisions. And so she even in her autobiography was quoted to have written that she felt an insurmountable distaste for marriage and for all things that females talked about and did. <laughs> so like whatever wow. during the 1600s they were thinking about or doing, which was probably like nothing. They're probably like, let's bathe you and brush your hair and, you know, fucking get you in the nice like corset and you're like suffocating and we're going to prep you for marriage and you're going to have to have sex with all your cousins, like all the things, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I think she was like, girls are dumb. Like, why would I want anything to do with that? Like, I'm educated. I want to read. I want to learn. I want to do more. 
And it kind of sucks because it's like none of the other women had those opportunities. So that's the difference. Right. Well, because I was just going to say, I'm like, when I really want to hang out with this woman, also at the same time, she strikes me as a woman who was like, yeah, you know, I made it in this life. Why can't you? Maybe if you stopped like, you know, there are women who will practice law and also like to watch TLC on the side or Bravo. Yep. Like, but she looks down at those women who have totally. the girly hobbies. She does. Yeah. She does. She absolutely does. And, like, there's also more on that to come. Okay. Um, okay. But, well, actually, I'll, I'll tell you. So, there, it's rumored, there's a lot of rumors about her. Some of them I'll get into, but one of them, especially during her younger ages, right around this time, actually, her best friend was a girl, I think her name was, like, Ida or something. They uh, shared a bed. It's rumored they uh, had a sexual relationship. Uh, and so, there's, like... A lot of speculation around her sexuality, her gender identity, stuff like that. So I think part of that, like, disdain towards, like, marriage and, like, anything feminine related was that she literally didn't relate to it and that she hated being grouped into it because she was like, this isn't me. Uh But, like, for instance, one of the biggest things that people think about her when they think about her is how bad her hair was. That was, like, the number one thing. She had unruly hair. Her hair was wild and out of control. She never wore ball gowns or dresses. A lot of the times she skipped the heels and wore men's shoes because they were more convenient. So, like, these were all the little things about her that people remembered. Okay. So this is the other crazy part. There were multiple rumors and reports about the fact that she might have been intersex. Because they said that she had facial hair, like, in her more adult life. Okay. Which, today, many people, scientists, historians, all of that, have gone through her doctor's journals, her personal memoirs, and they don't believe she was intersex at all. They think she might have suffered from polycystic ovary syndrome. Oh, shit. Which is... A condition that's still, like, not 100%, like, understood even today in 2020. Yeah. But it it usually results in, like, irregular menstruation, um, excessive hair growth, like, acne, obesity, like, a lot of different stuff. But it is weird, though, that when she was a baby born, that they thought she was a boy. There it is. Yes. There it is. I was going to say, because when you were talking about that, I'm going, isn't the lack of penis, like, the big indication that you were talking about hairiness? Okay, okay, okay. Yes. And so for anybody that doesn't know, intersex is um, a more, like, recent term that's been, like, brought into the world Many people might understand it as hermaphrodite, which is, like, no longer being used. (laughs) We've retired that word, but I figure it's worth mentioning as people. It was very commonly used in the past, and I think you would then understand what I'm talking about. But today we use the terminology intersex, and it can mean a number of different things. But one of the most common things is that people are born with, like, ambiguous genitalia. And so what can happen is... When these children are born, doctors will make the executive decision to do surgical procedures that lie in one direction of one gender. And there has been a lot of issues, lawsuits, 
a new number numerous amounts of things that have happened in like the early 70s and the 80s when doctors made these decisions without even confronting anybody at all about it that then backfired investigative podcast oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, there's a a lot of backlash that's happened where people were later like i'm sorry why why was i snipped to pieces and my parents weren't even told about it and that did happen where even parents weren't informed about a decision that was made in the doctor's office that then paved the life of a child who then grew up one way and was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, there's way more there. Google it. There's a lot of things you can learn about about that. But there are a lot of rumors that she could have been intersex. She could have had polycystic ovary, ovary system. There are a lot of different things about... Um, her or she could have been none of those she could have just been a woman that was into dude shit or dressing masculine you know she was just androgynous like loved the ladies yeah like swung that way yeah yeah. it doesn't always have to be like a like a big syndrome or a big medical (laughs) procedure like it could just be preference and i mean women have facial hair like even regular women in the world like it's not uncommon wait (laughs) melissa are you saying women have layers yeah right wow yeah it's like it's annoying (laughs) then at 23 she announces like i'm not getting married it's over with i'm i'm done talking about it it's not happening and then she declares her cousin charles to become the heir of the throne if she were to die and so the royal court is pissed. They're so mad. They're like, who the hell do you think you are not getting married and having kids and having like true heirs to the throne? I believe she's the king. That's right? who she is. <laughs> <laughs> They're not happy about it. However, the rest of the country didn't care. They were like, mm. cool, whatever. Like, we like her. Like, whatever. We don't really care. So then 1650 rolls around. The coronation takes place. She's be- She gets forced to wear this, like, enormous, obnoxious white gown. She uh, is draped in, like, black velvet. She has to go into, like, a Cinderella cage and get, like, pranced down this, like, little alley to the castle. She's, like, embroidered in gold, pulled by white horses. Like, the whole shebang. Of course sure. she's not into it. No. <laughs> she's I like, I hate this goddamn day. <laughs> um, but then she officially becomes king, queen, whatever. And then throughout her royalty, she goes completely hard on the art scene. So she basically has this moment where she's like, I want Sweden, I want Stockholm, Sweden to become like Athens, Greece. I want this to be like the Mecca, the beauty, the rich, the culture, the arts, like all the shit. And she's like trying to like basically like recreate that in her own home. And so she gets a little bit out of control with it. She goes a little wild, kind of like um, who am I? Marie Antoinette. Oh, <laughs> it's a little that Marie one. Antoinette. Uh, the, the 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 OG bouge sister mm. Lo- loves loves to be bougie. That yes, one. she okay. gets a little bouge, and so she goes nuts. She orders an Italian architect to build a theatrical setting in one of the largest rooms in the palace. She commissioned seven hundred and sixty paintings, one hundred and seventy marble and 100 bronze statues, 33,000 coins and medallions, 600 pieces of crystal, 300 scientific instruments, manuscripts, and books, 
One of them being the Codex Giga, which is the largest medieval manuscript in the world, which has become the devil's Bible. (laughs) I've heard of that. Yes. (laughs) Then she started to get like a little bit of a bad reputation next because they like Sweden tried to pass some like new law. Somebody was like writing this book on Lutheran religion and they were going to make it like a staple for the people. And she was like, nah, we're not doing this. And they're like, what do you mean? And like everyone voted to do it. And she's like, it's not happening. Fuck you. And it's because if it did be published or pass or whatever, it would create all these really strict religious rules on the people of Sweden. And she's like, I don't want the people of Sweden having religious rules. Like, sure, we're going to be a Lutheran country, but they're not going to go to jail over shit, you know? So she like antied it. But, like, the rest of Sweden is pro-Lutheran, so they were kind of like, wait a minute, what do you mean? Like, this is who we are, this is what our society and our culture is like. So it came as a red flag to just even the general everyday people, because they're like, this is who we are, what do you mean, no? So she was, like, creating a change that people weren't ready for, so, like, that kind of brought in a little bit of, uh, of, of drama. And then... All of her spending caught up to her, and she basically, like, bankrupt Sweden. Oh, honey, no. (laughs) And the people were pissed. They're like, what the fuck? What do you mean? And also, without anybody knowing this, thank God, this would have been a real fucking kicker, she secretly got converted to Catholicism without (gasps) anybody knowing, which was literally illegal in Sweden at the time. So she had to, like, keep it on the DL that she converted to a different religion. She would have probably even killed or something like that if they found out. So at this point, she's only 26 years old. (laughs) She has been on the throne for 20 years, working 10 hours a day. She collapses from a nervous breakdown. Melissa, what were you doing at 26? (laughs) I was, God, I was drunk. That's what I was doing. I was in a bar. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not good. It wasn't good. Hey, but you didn't collapse from a nervous breakdown, so there's that. No, but it was teetering on the brink. (laughs) 27 was actually my nervous breakdown year. I was right before it. Um, (laughs) But so she calls in this progressive French doctor. Of course, she calls in a progressive French doctor. And he his uh, prescription is warm baths, sleep healthy meals, and that she take more pleasure in life. Isn't that what we're all telling millennials right now? (laughs) right. That's what we're all trying to do for ourselves right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then in addition, he shares his collection of erotic sonnets with her, which she apparently really enjoyed. Again, isn't that what we've been telling millennials? (laughs) This is how we all got through COVID, is it not? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I wasn't Bridgerton a thing? Right? (laughs) Dude, for real. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So she takes his prescription to heart, literally to heart, and she gives up the throne and bounces. She's like, I quit. (laughs) She quit. She put in her two-week notice. It's like, I'm Mm. out. So that's what she did and it really wasn't the worst idea because people were starting to get pissed at her like she bankrupt fucking sweden she like exed that lutheran book like people weren't happy and she probably was thinking like i don't want to become re-antoinette and get my head chopped off so like i gotta leave town so her cousin charles was crowned king and she did she moves to rome she's like i'm out of here 
But she has to journey through Denmark, which is like Sweden's worst enemy at this point. So she dresses like a full-blown man and travels incognito on horse. And she's like meandering through multiple countries for several months and then like comes upon a bunch of Catholics in like various countries and they just whine and diner because now they know that she's converted and left Sweden and they're like, oh, you're the queen. You're the king. We love you. And so she's having a grand old ball. And then she arrives to Rome and she's greeted by the Pope who threw her a carnival in her name for two months. Oh, shit. It lasted two months long, her party. (laughs) And the Pope's stoked because she's Catholic now. So they're raging. And so she shows up and is like, I'm, life's amazing. And she, like, has all this new freedom. She gets really involved in, like, the music and theater scene. Like, just living her best life. She's now actually full-blown, like, seeing women and just, like, enjoying her sex life. And I think she was seeing men and women. I think she was just, like, having a good old ball. Whatever the hell floated her boat, she was in on it. And then, like, word got back to Sweden that she became a Catholic. They, like, found out, like, oh, the Pope's partying with you. Like, you, like you're clearly not a Lutheran anymore. And they cut off all her royal inheritance. Like, you're done. You're off. You're off the payroll. Yeah. So, so, so who's going to bankroll her partying now? So she's worried. She's like, oh, shit, I'm broke. I don't have any money. What do I do? So she goes to France and she meets with King Louis, who's 18 years old at the time. And he was like in complete and utter shock by her masculinity, her appearance, the way she spoke. He's like, what in the F is happening? (laughs) But he was like impressed by it. He's like, oh, my God, I've never seen a woman like this. Like, this is like, who are you? Like, I'm so intrigued. And she went to go meet with him to be like, help me out with some money, dude. Like, I need some help here. Like, are we cool? And he was so impressed with her that he offered to give her money and a whole army if she would, like, leave the army to Naples, which was, like, the Italian kingdom at the time, and, like, fight them off. Because I guess the Spanish were ruling it and he needed to, like, get it back or something. it feels like he's lending her a card. Yeah, just leave the keys on, like, well, underneath yes. the rock. Well, and yeah. so the, the kicker was if she won the war and she got to take Naples, he'd get it when she died. Ah, so once she died, he'd end up owning it. So, like, but she could fight for it and take the troops, but he'd get it later when she died. And she's like, cool, this is the only way I'm going to make money. So that's what we're going to do. But then she really fucks up and she finds out that like one of her servants betrayed her. (gasps) Basically, this person knew what the plan was to take over Naples and like chatted around town and like word spread that she was like going to come with some troops and take over Naples. And she found out that this person betrayed her and like chopped that fool to pieces and executed him in like cold blood in the middle of like town. And, like, the rest of her servants were like, keep it a secret. Keep it on the hush-hush. Like, don't tell anybody you killed this dude. And she's like, I'm King Christina of Sweden. I'll chop any guy that I want. And she did not keep it a secret. And King Louis found out, and he was not happy. He was like, who do you think you are coming here and just executing people? Like, you're that's not how it rolls. So he said, deal's off. You're not getting the money. You're not getting the troops. Out of here. So she goes back to Rome and lives the rest of her life there. She's like, okay, I'm done. 
And she, while in Rome, I don't know how she was making money, but while in Rome, she wrote an autobiography. She founded the very first the uh, public theater in Rome where she allowed women to perform on stage, which was against policy by the Pope. Yeah, she also was. demanded that the Pope prohibit the custom of chasing Jews through the streets during carnivals and to publicly announce that all Roman Jews were under her royal protection. Wait, so, wait, wait, rewind, wait, wait. Yes. Chasing Jews through the street, that yes. was a thing that we, required a carnival? Though that they were like the entertainment at the carnival. Oh. The carnivals would happen and the entertainment was Jews being chased through the streets and everybody laughing and having a grand old time. They left that on a Sunday school for me. Um that <laughs> Okay, okay, right. I'm sorry. Okay. Right? Yeah, so she probably showed up to her own two-month carnival and was like, wait a minute, why are these what? people being chased through the streets? So she told the Pope, fuck you, it's over with, and tell all the Roman Jews that to call me if anything goes wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. So she ended up dying at 62 years old, which I think is pretty old for that those people back then. I couldn't find out how she died, so I'm kind of just thinking old age. Well, they're probably cancer, or, yeah. you know, cancer was a common one that nobody could pinpoint, so if you're looking at that middle yeah. age era. Yeah, like, gonna... she didn't get, like, killed or anything happened. She just, like, she died. I'm putting my money down on cancer or tuberculosis. Yeah. Now, this is cool. She is only one of three women that are buried at the Vatican Grotto. So even after she told the Pope to go fuck himself, <laughs> she got to be married at, uh, buried at the Vatican Grotto. That's impressive. Yes. Okay, okay. Yep. And this is the best part. The best part ever. The, after she died, the Pope described her as, quote, a queen without a realm, a Christian without faith, and a woman without shame. Can I put that on my tombstone? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is the oh. best thing that's ever been said. That is the ultimate compliment, I think. <laughs> I was like, can I make that my Instagram bio? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Melissa, you could, and who would know? Really? <laughs> Even just a queen without a realm. I love that. Mm. It's so good. And so here's another fun fact. Her sexuality and androgyny has led to so many rumors about her being intersex that they literally dug up her body in 1965 to examine her remains, but they couldn't figure it out. Oh, I was gonna say I'm like, what was it though? But what was it? <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. They're like the evidence was not. It didn't like go in any way. So well, that was in the 60s. Don't you think they're overdue for another, uh, I don't know. 1965, they dug her up. Like, what? She died, at, like, even before the 1700s. Well, that, that technology has gotten better. I, I say, <laughs> pick it up again. I don't... I just... Oh, she died wow. in 1968. And so... At the end of the day, it's determined that Christina, whether being a biological man or female or a lesbian or bisexual or straight or just an androgynous woman with a little facial hair, at the end of the day, she lived the life of degaff and she wasn't afraid to live by her own rules. 
She's overdue for a mini series, at least. Like right. Tony Matt, Tony Matt. Has anyone called Tony McNamara about this? <laughs> By the way, if no one knows, Tony McNamara is the guy who wrote The Great and The Favorite. Those that movie and that TV. Yeah, he he should be on. This. Isn't this like, an amazing story? She's so fascinating. I huh. The so cool. Of, the Christina, the King of Sweden. Mm. So I cool. love her. Right? I love her. I don't agree with everything she did, but like she she didn't give zero fucks. She had a fuck it bucket and threw everything in. Like yeah. I don't girl, thank you for introducing me to her. That's awesome. <laughs> so cool. All right. Who you got? Who you got? Alright. So actually, Melissa, I loved that you picked Christina and my girl because it we're completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum here. We're across the ocean, we're of a different race, of a different kind of time, sort of, and different class levels. So, and I also like to preface the fact that I picked this totally by mistake, but in my life right now and what's going on in the real world, it's kind of intertwining. So, I'm currently reading The Book of Night Women by Marlon James. Ooh. Um, it's a really good book. It's 400 pages, but it's about slavery in Jamaica, and I like... I really good, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Normally, I'm like all in on a book and read it constantly, and I have to put this down and go. I need a break. Yep. Yikes. Yep. Um, so it's again great book, mm-hmm. uh, but damn. And then also right now, um, because my woman takes place, uh, she has lived in Cuba. She was a slave in Cuba, and right now Cuba currently, like as we're recording today and yesterday, is going through massive protests. Really? That they have yes. Oh, you should totally look that up. They they uh they're doing the biggest protest they've had in many many years over uh um I should have been more well informed when I was recording this. But <laughs> no, I was reading NPR today and it, it's become a thing right now where Cuba is in, in the midst of giant protests. So I just thought it was so interesting that I was like, when, "Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this woman at this time." So it's just interesting. So and and like you, you have a que- uh, king, my bad, a king <laughs> who has all of this information written about her while mine is a slave, and she has almost nothing written about her. In really? fact, I, I, I kind of want to discuss two women, but unfortunately only one has more information than the other, because they kind of did this together, and I'm doing uh, Carlo- Carlota Lukumi. Um, also known as La Negra Carlotta. Uh-huh. And I'm going to try to do, you know, that, that that thing of like, oh, should I try to use the cor- correct pronunciation yeah. and sound like a pretentious asshole? Yep. Or, um, or, you know, say it like I'm an American and sound like an ignorant dick. So <laughs> I like... <laughs> you know what? <sighs> yeah. I feel like as long as you address it, we're in the clear. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to flip between these two because... Okay. I, the, the the names are beautiful and it's very interesting. So um, I I'm doing La La Negra Carlota La La Carlota Lukumi and also uh, Firmina Lukumi. Uh, Firmina, there's not a lot of information about her. It's mostly about Carlota for reasons you'll see. But uh-huh. I want to just include her in this because I feel like she doesn't get the you know the sh- the the stage that she deserves because she did help. So this takes place in, like, again, Corlota was a slave. So there's no birth date here. There's nothing about her early life. This takes place in the late, um, like, her life begins in the late 18th century. Uh, She was a kidnapped African woman brought to Cuba as a slave when she was 10 years old. 
Um, she was from, Carlotta was from the kingdom of Benin, uh, West Africa, and her last name, Lakumi, comes from the Lakumi people, which is an ethnic group, uh, her ethnic group, and the Lakumi people are Afro-Brazilians that descended from the Yoruba people of present-day Nigeria and the Benin Republic. So, at least we gotta have that information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Quick um, question, how did you learn about her? So it was actually, um, I believe it was, you know how I said I was gathering that yep. list of interesting mm-hmm. women? Um, there's a blog I follow called TheEveryGirl.com. Every girl hit uh, Melissa up for sponsorship, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> uh, but they, uh, they during Black History Month, uh-huh. they had a list okay. of underrepresented black women mm-hmm. who you've never heard about before. Totally. And I was like, oh, tell me more. And I was going through that list and I was like, oh. Okay, okay, and this woman, she she's got what it takes. I'm telling you. So yep, you know I covered a woman named Queen Nanny who is also um a a woman that was taken from West Africa and taken to Jamaica as a slave. But I've discovered her through I ended up discovering online a map of the world. And there were little stars on certain parts of the world and you can click it and a woman would come up with like a very short bio. And then I'd like go Google search that woman's name larger. And I found women I would have never in my entire life heard of. And Queen can Nanny you, was one of them. Pass that along yes, to me? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. But I feel like it's one of those things where I was like, I've never heard of Queen Nanny. I don't know how I would have heard of Queen Nanny. Right. And I feel like she kind of like your your women fall in that same kind of like category. And and, and I will go on my soapbox later because this is a, another reason why I picked her. Or I can go on my soapbox now. I'm going to say it. <laughs> so we're from the US and I also, um, I am from a town that was majority white and Christian and rich. And so our history classes were very fucking whitewashed and everything. And like the only thing we learned about slavery was, you know, the only reason slavery ended was because of peaceful things like Harriet Tubman helped slave escaped and Abraham Lincoln did the Emancipation Patient Proclamation and that's how slavery ended. And then Civil rights ended because Martin Luther King did yeah. one peaceful pr- march and Rosa Parks didn't give up her seat on the bus. That's it. Yep. There's nothing else surrounding that. That's all we told. But you don't get the violent history Mm-mm. that comes with the protests. And honestly, and I, I'm, I'm going to say it, the necessary violent protests totally. that come from this. Yeah. So uh, La Negra Carlotta falls in the violent protests. Like she spearheaded this. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, you know, I, I love to read about these other things, and that's why I wanted to cover her. Awesome. Because, yes, mm-hmm. can't wait. Let's do it. So, yeah, she, um, so as I said, she was kidnapped at the age of 10 and was taken to the Matanzas province of Cuba, where she lived and worked as a slave on the Triumvirato, again, I'm going to try it, Triumvirato sugar plantation. And uh, although slavery had been abolished in Haiti, Latin America, and the British Empire by 1803, unfortunately, Cuba and the U.S., we just, you know, weren't up to the times. Um, We wouldn't get on board for that Mm -mm. because, you know, money, (laughs) economy, all that shit. So in that time that uh, Carlotta, around 1803, which is where they think she was kidnapped and brought over, um, she lived a harsh and rough life as a slave, as any slave would, on the Triumvirato plantation. And that was a Spanish-owned plantation, hence my butchering of this Spanish language name. 
just trying my best here. And so a little bit of a background around the time that um, Carlotta was working with Farima. In between 1830 and 1840, slave revolts had actually been happening throughout Cuba pretty commonly. So in 1843, Carlotto and Farima, her friend, I mean, we could just call her a friend, but again, there's no record. It was just these two were together in plotting a rebellion among the slaves. So their plan was to be in an uprising at the uh, plantation uh, and the surrounding plantations, simultaneously. So they wanted to make sure that all the plantations went up together and just a huge revolt. Unfortunately, a plantation owner had found Farima as she was distributing information to one of the other plantations. And so that plantation owner had Farima imprisoned and severely beaten. Yeah. Even after Farima was captured, uh, Carlota moved forward with organizing the uprising and used music as a form of communication by sending secret coded messages via drum. Oh, shit. Drums. Like a drum so, beat? But, yes. So she oh was coordinating God. the rebellion via drum beat. That is insane. Okay. And this is where it just goes to show women get shit done. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. <laughs> right. like, it's like a musical Morse code. It really was. So cool. So... That was going on, and then on November 3rd, 1843, Carlotta, um, along with other tribal leaders, which were, their names were taken down, uh, Philippe, Narciso, Manuel Ganga, and Eduardo, all five of them led a raid which initiated what would be known as the Triemberato Rebellion. So, picture this, a strong uh, woman who is had the roughest life and has given up all the fucks, wielding a machete, <laughs> comes into um, her own plantation and she frees her friend Farima and a dozen other slaves from being held in captivity in a house on that property. Nice. So the yes. uprising begins, shit happens, and she goes and uh, releases her friend with a machete. Does she fuck um, a bunch of fools up? I'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> She burns down their house that, no, not, not the house. She burns down the house that had been used to torture slaves. Oh my God. Killed the overseer's daughter, Maria del Regla, and then forced Julian Luis Alfonso, which was the owner of the Triemberato plantation. He fled. He just was like, uh, I'm this is here. scary shit. Yeah, I'm out of here. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, the people we've been exploiting and right? abusing for years have He's come like, back to home. I didn't sign up to get attacked back. I don't like this. <laughs> no. Yeah. So he fucking fled. He said later days, bye. So Carlotta and her followers then went to the Akani, Akan? Uh, yeah. A-C-A-N-E yep. plantation. Queen Nani yep. was from a, I think she was from the Akani tribe or Akani. Akani, yep. okay, I think I, thank you. I, I also didn't know if that was the correct pronunciation, but yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll go with Akani. So she went to the Akani plantation and she killed pretty much any white person that she could find there. And then it was a two-day rebellion overall. And in that two-day rebellion, they destroyed five sugar plantations. Nice. Um, as well as a number of coffee and cattle estates. The day that the last plantation was de- destroyed, though, Carlotta and Farima were both captured and um, killed. Oh, so, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like, 
I know it's such a suck. Um, and there's no really, again, I tried to look up information about Farima. The only thing I could find uh, regarding Farima was attached to Colata's name. The woman doesn't get enough credit for helping, mm-hmm. or maybe she was more than, but her name isn't as, I don't know, well regarded or whatever. Totally. I don't know. But yeah, they were both executed and, I guess, thankfully, we don't know how Farima was executed, but we do know how Carlotta's was. Ooh. She was tied to horses and then dragged through the streets until she died. Oh, my God. Wow. What an absolute... Like, those are the kind of things that I'm just like, are we... Like, what are we? Like, who... Are we human? Are, what is this? Were we ever civilized? Like... I, I should have prefaced, like, by the way, this was not a happy and uplifting ending. But. No, no, no. I, <laughs> yeah. It's not surprising in the slightest. It's just, again, like you say, these are the things that we don't read about in fourth grade in history class. And nope. we have to, like, nope. remember that this is how it was for many years for millions of people. And that is so disgusting. Exactly. exactly. And her her followers you know had found her body on the morning of november 6 1843 and they did vow to continue the fight for freedom so she was kind of like this this icon that they had followed and 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 wanted to like just carry on her legacy but unfortunately in november so like sometime in november um heavily armed spanish colonial forces overpowered all of the slaves and they were all machete wheeling so put that in your mind like that's terrifying and rightfully so i i like ugh. um they overpowered them and the revolt ended and then there was some follow-up backlash so the following year in 1844 that became known as the year of the lashes in cuba uh slaveholders brutalized pretty much all of the enslaved people on the island to punish those who participated in the uprising and also intimidate those who did not and wanted to quelch the idea that you can do this again. Mm -hmm. And as the years goes on, unfortunately, slave trade didn't end in Cuba until 1865. And slavery in Cuba didn't officially end until 1866. So probably around the time that Americans also had that problem with we didn't want to get rid of our slaves. But La Negra Carlotta was always held in high esteem. There are numer- there are operas about her. There are stories in place. And she has become this figurehead, this icon that people look up to. And I'm glad. I, I, I'm so happy. Wait, is and it the just- Cuban people that look up to her? It, I think it's uh it's the Cuban well Cubans mostly yes but like um and again the fact that we're in the U S and there's a strong black woman who went against the grain and yeah. violently yeah, yeah. said no thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but uh she she's become like like Shirley Chisholm you know how we never yeah. hear about Shirley Chisholm either it's oh, just bullshit I've been wanting to cover on this damn podcast. Okay, next time. Next time. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Shirley Chisholm, you know, she's just one of the... Uh, it, it, in the African-American community, the black community, I'm sure she's talked about, but we white folks, we never hear about that no. because she's a woman and she was violent. And how dare a woman be black and violent? And yeah, yeah. it's just... Um, but I, I was reading her story and I thought that it was just so interesting. And I had picked it and then... Everything else kind of fell into place. I'm reading the the book of Night Women about Jamaican slavery. Totally. And then um, what's going on in Cuba right now. I'm like going, it was fake. It so, really I don't was. Know. And like, you know what else is that like, it's so interesting to me because I really didn't know 
a lot about any of like the really high you know level uh details of the transatlantic slave trade like mm-hmm. i didn't know that it was mostly west africa that was targeted i didn't know that they were distributed among not only jamaica but like all these other areas like like cuba and a lot of latin america actually i i didn't realize that and even it extended as far as fl- different parts of the united states florida other areas like on the s- southern side and i didn't know that so many of these people that were enslaved one were able to escape or two were able to like create their own mini armies and fight back i never knew any of that mm-hmm. <laughs> at mm-hmm. fucking all never nope, in nope. my entire life until literally last month when i researched queen nanny I had no idea that all of this happened. And, like, it was the same thing with Queen Nanny. She had an entire army of people that were living in the mountains of Jamaica, and they fought back. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it, now that I know it, I'm like, of, well, of course. Like, well, of course. human beings yeah. are always going to fight back. They're going to do what they can, you know? Well, how do, yeah, how do you think the Bahamas became the Bahamas? And you've got that, that, uh, right? that ethnic yeah. group down there. Well, yeah, it's slaves who have revolted and like yeah Uh, yeah i just feel like you don't i don't know Uh it's just one of those things that never really like clicked fully and then when we never were taught yeah it never clicked yeah yep did you um melissa did you watch the watchmen at all on hbo i don't think so oh you would know you would remember so that was that was a big thing that i think came out right before covid and it blew up during covid um, it has uh, uh, Regina King in it, and it's an HBO show, and it's based on a comic series. Never, no, I didn't watch it. You need to. It's good. Because the ve- oh yeah, the very first episode, by the way, and 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 I can't believe it because I was watching it with my husband, and we're watching The Watchmen, and the very first episode was about the Tulsa race massacre in oh, 1921, shit. which is just celebrating their 100 year anniversary, and it was a very graphic scene. And I'm watching it, and I look at my husband, John, and I'm like, going, did this really happen? And the fact that I had to ask that question, and then I went online with every other American who watched the show, and we're like, going, holy shit, this happened. Yeah. And the Watchmen was the reason why it was really brought to the forefront here, to the white, ignorant people who are like, by the way, there was a successful group of people right. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was called Black Wall Street. And white people overreacted over some shit. And burned and massacred a whole bunch of... Yeah, it was a thing. Like, how in the world? Never taught that. Yep. And I was like, wow. Wow. I was ashamed reading about this, going, how have I never heard about this before? An HBO show had to teach me about my own American history. And an HBO show about superheroes, right? Yes, about superheroes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You definitely... I, I... Oh, that was so good. It's weird. So, like... You have to get into it a little bit. My husband gave up, but I stuck with it, and it was definitely worth it. It's a little funky and a little weird, but worth it. So yeah, it's pretty painful. It's horrible when you read stuff like that. And like even just a couple episodes ago, I did Sojourner Truth, and I really didn't know her Ain't full story. No, no. All I heard, all I heard about Sojourner Truth is she was like kind of like Harriet Tubman, but not wa- but not really. And there was like Ain't I a Woman, but nothing else. That was it. Yeah. 
so many things in her story i'm just like why do i know the name but like nothing about her and it's like the same thing where you like you only know the one line Mm -hmm. you just know the one liner and then like that's it that's it but even harriet tubman i like was trying to decide between the two of them and i actually didn't know that harriet tubman had like suffered such like a brain injury I didn't know that about her. I, like, knew she was a huge part of, like, the Underground Railroad, but I did not know that she had, like, the way that her brain injury, like, occurred, too, where she, like, stood, like, protected somebody that was going to get, like, killed or something? Or dropped, like, a rock on? Yeah, somebody, like, hit her in the head because she stood in the way of something. And I thought what the one that surprised me the most was the fact that I heard about Harriet Tubman, like, I I remember my history is like, yeah, she helped a bunch of slaves escape and she never lost a person. Yada, yada, yada. How great for her. And then she became a Civil War um, spy. That was left (laughs) out, by the way. I was like, okay. (laughs) Badass black woman became a spy in the Civil War. But let's not include that in her bio. No. Like, oh. Well, that was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Another awesome episode in the books. I love it. I like how we have like the the balance between King of Sweden and Slave of Cuba. (laughs) That was, yeah. (laughs) King of Sweden and Slave of Cuba. History's cool, man. I mean, what? They were only 200 years apart? Yeah, not even. Like, I think 150 years apart. And just the complete opposite experiences. It's fascinating. But you know what? I bet, like, Christina, King of Sweden, would have, like, fucked some shit up. Had she ever really gone to war? Yeah, I think <laughs> if, uh, if Christina came over to Cuba, Carlotta and her would have met, right? and Carlotta would have also given her a machete to be like, let's fuck some shit up. Right. 100%. Can you imagine just women in machete? Like, angry women with machete. Millennials started, and this is where millennials oh! are now. It was, like, Mary <laughs> King Ashley Olsen Ocean? or whatever. Oh, yeah. And she's, like, all cute, like, with, like, a headband. That's where millennials were. And where millennials are now is Mary-Kate, or one of them, one of the twins today, with a cocktail in one hand and a machete in the other on a hike. It tracks. (laughs) It tracks, really. I can confirm. Yep. (laughs) Where millennials were and where they are today. They have a machete in their hand with a cocktail in the other. I don't think I've ever related more to a meme in my life. (laughs) that was like on point that was on point I'm like well yes yes that is absolutely correct especially with our true crime fascination you know what are we gonna do (laughs) take over the world obviously (laughs) oh man so good thank you so much amazing another amazing time please don't please don't let a whole year go by until you come back Melissa, don't let another year, but like, I don't know. It was one of those weird, like, dating things of like, well, well, should I text her first or should I, like, like, I know we'd be like really good friends, but like, should I reach out or? All right, we're past it. We, (laughs) all right. We were, we've gotten through it. We're, we're now on just like regular. Yes. (laughs) Okay, perfect. (laughs) Cheers and one last drink to Pinot Grease. Pinot Grease and Colts. And strong, independent women. 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this long overdue episode, and I hope it made you laugh as hard as it made me laugh, even though I listened to it like 10 times in a row. If you can think of one person out there in the world, your family member, your friend, your coworker, that might really love this podcast episode, send it to them. Shoot it over via text, send it via email, whatever works, but spread the word and spread the message. Sharing is caring and word of mouth recommendations is honestly the most amazing way that you can help support this podcast. And it's the most effective way for us to continue growing and flourishing and building our community and our audience. All right, guys, thank you again. I'm so happy to be back and stay tuned until next week. Love ya, bye.